Welcome to the Mile High Flight Show, where a Jets fan and a Broncos fan get together to talk about the NFL and the world of sports. Joined by my wonderful friend and co-host Enrique Cisneros, I'm Ryan Marinholtz, and let's get right into this. Enrique, how are you doing on this wonderful Sunday, and you ready to talk about uh, some awesome stuff today? Uh, I am, dude, and I'm chilling. Um, I had a good weekend. Just uh, excited to talk to you about some football, uh, some very interesting stuff has happened, and then um, obviously later on, you know, we'll talk about the pay-per-view card, so I'm obviously very excited about that. Absolutely, brother. Chill weekend. Got to go watch those fights with you, and we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, and for now, we can go ahead and get right into the flight show here, starting with our weekly question, who will lead the Jets in interceptions in 2022? Out of our options, Bryce Hall, DJ Reed, Jordan Whitehead, and Sauce Gardner, you guys chose Bryce Hall. Enrique, as a Jets fan, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think Bryce Hall has a good opportunity to lead the Jets in interceptions in uh, 22. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I think that teams are going to find out very quickly that Sauce Gardner is legitimate. And um, I think that Bryce Hall is going to get a few more looks um, as he's going to be con- considered the weaker corner. Um, but um, he's also just very sneaky. He's just a very sneaky, good corner. So um, I-, I think that a lot of teams are going to try to target him. Um thinking that he's lackluster and I think he's going to uh, be able to come in the clutch. I can also see DJ Reed, especially playing um, uh, his position on the field. You know, he, he might be able to come in and, you know, sneak some picks, um, you know, off of like, you know, third reads and uh, playing down the safety spot and different things like that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see the, the Bryce Hall. Absolutely. Yeah. It seems like a very reasonable pick. And uh, yeah, I could see a few of these guys, but I love your reasoning with uh, Sauce Gardner there uh, and the fact that Bryce Hall will be opposite of him. Um, and, you know, that obviously, especially when you have a lockdown corner, uh, leads to more production on the other side of the field. So um, you saw that with uh, Darrell Revis years ago with the Jets. Uh, and yeah, that seems to be the path that Sauce Gardner's taken. So um, yeah, I would tend to agree with the, our viewers there. And then with that, we can go ahead and move right on to our new section here. Uh, a pretty light week, honestly, going into the season, uh, you know, other than just obviously more going on with just preseason games and camp work and all that good stuff. Uh, but in terms of news stories, not a whole, whole lot going on. Uh, but our first story here, uh, one of the bigger ones, Chargers lock up Derwin James with a four-year $76.5 million extension with $42 million guaranteed, which is good enough to make him the highest-paid safety in the NFL and well-deserved uh, because he's not just a safety. He's a lot more than that. Uh, he's one of the hybrid players in the league, uh, just happens to uh, be called a safety. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this is a well-deserved contract uh, with the well-deserved guaranteed money. And uh, if you're the Chargers, this was, other than Justin Herbert, the guy that uh, needed to be locked down on that team. And, uh, now they've done it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, this was a no-brainer type of contract. He's truly a difference maker on the field, and he's a difference maker in the locker room as well. I mean, this is a guy that you, you know, talk about, you know, being selfless while still in, still being able to get his business handled. He, um, you know, sat in 
on training camp and sat in on these things instead of sitting out and being away from his teammates. He just didn't, excuse me, he just didn't practice. He just didn't play, you know, but he was there, you know, getting mental reps. He was there with his teammates, just showing support. And um, I just think that goes to show what kind of leader Derwin James is uh, on that defense and how valuable he really is to uh, the Chargers' success this upcoming year. I, I think that without Derwin James, you uh, are looking at this Chargers team a little bit differently. You know, especially with Devontae Adams and Derek Carr in the division. Uh, you got Russell Wilson in the division now. You need a premier back-end player like uh, Derwin James to be able to really, you know, maximize your pass rush, which is now revitalized with Joey Bosa and uh, Khalil Mack. You know, now they got J.C. Jackson. So Derwin James is going to be able to make even more of an impact, in my opinion, um, and especially now that the man's uh, rightfully paid as the highest paid uh, paid uh, player at his position. So, um, and yeah, he just makes such a huge impact with the Chargers. So, yeah, congratulations to him on the bag for sure. Absolutely. Very well said, my friend. And uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, not only uh, just his impact on the field, but off the field both with his teammates and that organization as a whole, um, but then off uh, like off uh, the football field altogether, you know what I mean? And just the person that he is and um, how he's affected that community. So yeah, very well deserved uh, in every way you could possibly put it for Derwin James. Uh, and then our second story here, Matt Corral suffers a Liz Frank injury in the game against the Patriots, uh, likely ending his rookie season for the Panthers. And obviously, you hate to see it for a young guy. Uh, Liz Frank injury, obviously nothing uh, to sneeze at either. I believe it was a torn ligament too. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, a pretty severe injury. So, you know, hopefully he can recover the best he can, especially for a quarterback with the footwork that they have to do. Um, that'll be important for him. And, you know, at least for the Panthers there, uh, you have the benefit of the QB situation where, they weren't necessarily planning to play him this year anyways when you have Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, uh, you know, competing for that position at the moment there. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you just hate to see it either way. and It's going to make his uh, ability to learn behind those guys, uh, guys harder uh, when he can't travel with the team and suit up in those games. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he can recover, though, and bounce back. Yeah, this was um... – this was a, a real disappointing injury for me. Obviously, any injury in the preseason is super disappointing. But, um, yeah, this was a disappointing one because I was looking forward to seeing Matt Corral play. Um, not necessarily this season, but I was, you know, hoping to see him play in the rest of the preseason. You know, and obviously you want him there to, you know, get those mental reps in, to just be a guy holding the clipboard, to be a part of the team, to go through things as an NFL quarterback as much as he can, being the third string guy. Um, so it's really unfortunate that he uh, is injured and is, you know, more than likely going to uh, miss his rookie season. Um, and just, you just hate to see it, you know, especially with one of the guys that, you know, had uh, had some promise, especially on a team that didn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily have a clear answer at quarterback right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, shout out to Matt Corral. Keep your head up. And, um, yeah, that's uh, just wishing the best for sure. Absolutely. 
And then, unfortunately, another injury story here. Patriots place cornerback Malcolm Butler on IR with an undisclosed injury that will end his 2022 season and potentially his career. Malcolm retired last year during his time with the Arizona Cardinals, and then uh, this offseason came back, and he did sign a two-year deal. So technically, until they say something, uh, we can expect him to be back next year. Um, But considering he retired once and then came back and now has unfortunately uh, suffered whatever injury that he suffered that uh, is going to put him on IR for the year, it is a possibility. And, uh, you know, obviously, hopefully that's not the case for him and he gets another opportunity to come back. And we'll just have to see how that plays out. Yeah, it's um, I mean, you just hate talking about guys getting injured and, you know, especially. Uh, for the whole season, you know, Malcolm Butler is, you know, an older vet in the league and um, you just never know how many seasons you got left, you know. So uh, ultimately, you know, I wish him the best, even though he's a Patriot and, um, you know, just at the end of the day, he's a he's a man and he's a human being. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks when um, guys like this get hurt. So especially when he had that Super Bowl. You remember like the height of his career was him locking um, guys down for on his first stint with the Patriots, and then um, you know that Super Bowl saver. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean that's definitely the play he's famous for, and um, he's put together a solid career. Other than that, but you know certainly a, a standout play right there. And uh, unfortunately, a couple more uh, injury stories for you he, uh, for you guys here. Bucks guard Aaron Stinney suffered a torn ACL and MCL and will be out for the season. Uh, yet another offensive lineman for the Bucks goes down for the year, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, I mean, you hate to see that, uh, especially with this Bucks team. Uh, you know, obviously Tom Brady coming back for another year, hoping to uh, go on a warpath and get another ring. And, um, I mean, to those that oppose that, maybe this is, uh, I don't want to say good news, but, like, it may uh, put a kink in that armor. Um, But, obviously, like you just said, at the end of the day, they're a man. So, uh, our hearts go out to Aaron Stinney and, uh, you know, hope for a a quick recovery, especially tearing both the ACL and MCL at the same time. You hate to see it. Yeah, that's, uh, like, and you don't even hear about that happening a lot either, so it's even worse. But, yeah, for sure, especially when, you know, the starter uh, ends up retiring, you know, uh, Ali Marpart ends up retiring randomly. Uh, so he's slated to start, and then, yeah, he has a devastating injury like that. Um, you know, like, luckily, uh, sports medicine is so much better than it was uh, when I was, like, watching the NFL at first. Because, like, in ACL, obviously it was, like, a, um, you know, year-ending procedure or year-ending injury i should say but like now guys can you know come back and it's like they never skip a beat so um i hope that for uh, this guy and especially disappointing because you know this is a year that you're going to be able to compete for a super bowl and you never know how many years you have in your career that you're going to be able to compete for a super bowl on the same team and block for the hall of fame or tom brady you know what i mean so um yeah, my heart definitely goes out to Aaron Stinney. Um, yeah, and yeah, you just hate to see these guys get hurt. So, um, yeah, best of luck to all the guys that got hurt. And um, yeah, let's let's see you guys out there next year. Absolutely, yeah. And Enrique, that's a that's a great point. Adding on context to uh, like it's not as if he's missing any year. 
you know, with the context of it being Tom Brady, uh, Tom Brady's potential last year, them gunning for that ring, and the fact that um, Ali Marpet did retire and he's been presented with this opportunity. Uh, yeah, that just really stings uh, for that young man. Uh, yeah, like we said, hopefully he can recover as soon as possible. Um, and then one more that we wanted to throw on here that we don't have specific, uh, you know, info about because it happened so, uh, uh, you know, quickly ago. I think just a couple hours ago, Kayvon Thibodeau in the uh, Giants preseason game here on Sunday night, uh, unfortunately uh, received like a low block from a Bengals tight end and kind of did his knee in a little bit. It sounds like the initial reports are that it's uh, hopefully not a serious knee injury, um, but it did not look super wonderful. So, uh, you know, our thoughts go out to him and uh, hopefully it's not as severe as it kind of looked. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, like, you know, this was a, uh, wait, he was picked in the top 10, right? Um, yeah, like number five, yeah, so, I think, actually. Yeah, that's, yeah, even more so a top five pick. Uh, it's really, really sad. Uh, really, really, you know, scary. Obviously, the Jets just went through an injury situation with Zach Wilson, um, who had a successful surgery, uh, thank God. But, uh, yeah, when you're for, when one of the first-round picks and uh, an impact player on your team goes down, especially with how scary it looked, uh, you're, you're definitely stressed out if you're a Giants fan right now. And um, Although I hate the Giants. I do love Kayvon. I, I do love KT. Um, and, you know, you just you want all the teams to make it through injury-free so that way week one of the regular season, everyone has an even playing card. Everyone's the best they could be. No excuses, no bar. But um, unfortunately, right. stuff like this happens. And in this situation, the only thing we can do is just cross our fingers and hope that uh, KT is okay. Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know... It- like you said, with all these guys, you just hate to see it. I mean, it's a part of the game, unfortunately. And so it's always something we got to deal with. Um, but, and especially like we brought up with uh, Matt Corral is the fact that like, it's not just that these guys got injured. It changes their whole daily routine. They're no longer around the team. They're no longer, uh, you know, traveling with the team to games and suiting up uh, and doing any of that. So it's like, it's a whole entire, like, I, I don't want to say lifestyle change, but it's like an abrupt shift for these guys. Um, and then they're just, they have to fight back from these injuries. So, you know, hopefully in Kayvon Thibodeau's case, uh, he can pull some luck out and uh, it's not as severe and uh, he can get back with the team and have a nice rookie season because, yeah, he's definitely a talent and we want to see all these guys on the field and uh, show what they can do and get better. So, uh, but that is going to do it at least for the uh, injury news. Uh, and we can move on to uh, a little bit better fortunes here. Roquan Smith ends his holdout and will play the season on the franchise tag. Uh, he may have been holding in actually now that I say that, because I think he was like, yeah, I believe I actually read that he was like engaged and uh, holding in, but just not practicing like uh, Derwin James. But uh, he has now, uh, practicing he's now going to be participating and we'll just play the season on the franchise tag and uh then we'll have to see how that situation ends up playing out uh next offseason
Uh, yeah, dude. I, I think it's uh, I think it's nice that Roquan ended his holdout. Um, it definitely saves him from being fined anything, um, especially as we get closer and closer to the regular season. Um, you know, so I respect it for that reason. Wish he was able to hold out the whole time, though, because you hate to see guys going into a season without that uh, guaranteed contract, without that guaranteed money uh, at any position in football, regardless of how the team values that position or not. Um, but, yeah, shout-out to Rokon Smith for, you know, putting the team first and putting his teammates first and getting back out there and trying to make the best out of the situation. Yeah, absolutely, and – uh, you know, I'm sure Bears fans are going to be happy to see him out there for what potentially will be the last uh, season of Roquan Smith in a Bears uniform, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see how that plays out. But like you said, you never like to see those guys uh, have to go out when they didn't get the money that they uh, would feel secure with. And, uh, yeah, but hopefully that will be resolved for him sooner than later. Uh, but our last story here, unfortunately, uh, another, uh, you know, sad one i guess but more just frustrating uh deshaun watson receives his final suspension of 11 games with a fine of five million dollars um and that'll put him uh, his return slated for week 13 versus the texans uh which you know anybody following the situation when you see that you're like hmm that seems a little interesting um but yeah, I mean, that's what it is. That's the final suspension. That's the final fine. Five million is technically good enough to be the largest player fine in NFL history for whatever that means to anyone. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is what it is. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, it's just not, it, it's not enough in my opinion. And I know that you, uh, you know, feel the same way about it, but ultimately this is what it is. Um, and, you know, um, you know, my apologies just to everyone that was affected by this whole thing. Um, you know, I'm glad at least in somewhat, in some way, um, we can try to, you know, get Deshaun Watson off of the news as much as possible. Unfortunately, he is a professional athlete. And so he's, going to be out there playing professional football even though he probably shouldn't be um but regardless you know that five million dollars hopefully it goes to something good um hopefully everyone got um whatever sort of piece they can get out of it and you know we can just try to move forward as best as we can um because i mean even more so uh we just can't do anything about it you know so um it's really unfortunate that it wasn't a full year um, you know, but uh, it is what it is. It's just, I think what it really shows is that the NFL just needs more so, um, just some sort of clear uh, punishment scale, I guess, is the best way I can put it. Uh, because when you have Calvin Ridley who bet on the Falcons to win a game when his team sucks, anyways, and he's not even playing, um, getting suspended for the full year and you have Deshaun Watson who had 30 plus, um, you know, accusations of sexual assault, uh, get suspended for originally six games. Yeah. And then it get amped up or quote unquote amped up or quote unquote extended. But I mean, really extended by five games to 11 games. 
And then, um, yeah, he comes back and he's just so happened to be playing his old team down in Houston. So his first game back is going to be against his former Houston Texans, which is, um, I mean, what else can you say about the, the, the writing of the NFL season, uh, especially when it comes to Deshaun Watson and the Texans? Right. Yeah, we, we know how the NFL loves their matchups. Um, so it, it does, uh, it just makes you a double take when you see that. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it shows you where the NFL's priorities are. And, uh, you know, it, we all know how the NFL has treated a lot of this stuff in the past. And even during the um, Sue Robinson's uh, case where she uh, ended up giving Deshaun only six games, she brought up the uh, difference in punishment not only in, uh, you know, based on, like, the varying punishments they've given to players for what they've done, but also the variance in the uh, level of punishment they've given to ownership and how it, they don't treat the players and ownership equally uh, on terms of punishments and have let... Because uh, I think the subject of um, Robert Kraft came up in New England and how... Uh, that got swept under the rug even more so than Deshaun Watson's situation has. Um, so, but yeah, like you said, at the end of the day, it's not something that we can control. Uh, it's over with. This is what it is. And uh, yeah, at least hopefully that five million will go to a, a good cause, and uh, that's no small sum of money. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, that is what it is. But with that, that is going to do our new section for today. Uh, and we can go ahead and move on to our breakdowns uh, on today or today's plate. We're going through the 49ers and the Seahawks. And Enrique, I'll hand it right over to you for the 49ers. Thank you, Ryan. All righty. So to start breaking down the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, this was a breakdown that uh, I was kind of low-key looking forward to just because I think the 49ers have uh, a real legit uh I guess potential to make some noise into the season and into the playoffs, depending on if guys can stay healthy. Uh, the 49ers have just had a problem with guys staying healthy the last few years. And then when they get guys healthy, um, it kind of seems like, you know, the, the odds are slightly stacked against them. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, I do think that the 49ers will probably go as far as Trey Lance can take them. But we'll get into uh, the rest of the roster in just a second, including Mr. Trey Lance himself. Uh, so the general manager, obviously, Mr. John Lynch, head coach Kyle Shanahan. Uh, these two have been great together. I really honestly, there's just... Um, they, they got to be, like, in the top ten as far as uh, GM, head coach, tandems, working together, building a roster that they both feel comfortable with. There's no ego uh, ego tripping, you know, in their uh, front office there at all. Everyone knows their job. Everyone does their job. They've done such a great job since they've gone together in San Francisco. Um, I definitely had my reservations as far as John Lynch goes, uh, being a general manager, uh, just because I didn't know if he had any, and I still honestly low-key don't know because he's obviously done quite a well job of shutting me up. I just didn't know if he had any front office experience. Obviously, he was a great football player, uh, played a lot of years here in Denver um, and down in Tampa, but 
Uh, I just didn't know if he had lots of front office experiences. That was something that I was worried about. But, like I said, he's done his job in shutting me up. Um, and then his head coach, Mr. Kyle Shanahan, has done just such a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal job since coming over from the Atlanta Falcons. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to see exactly how much of an offensive guru he is um, with Trey Lance, but uh, theoretically, you know, their their idea is that Trey Lance is going to give them much more uh, of an option as far as his athletic ability and some of the throws that he can make. Um, they're going, they're going. Trey Lance is going to give them more of a dynamic quarterback option uh, in retrospect to Jimmy Garoppolo, who is still technically on the roster right now. So. I don't know. Make with that with what you will. But getting into uh, Mr. Lynch's and Mr. Shanahan's draft class this year. Um, so the Fighters did not have a first-round draft pick this year, um, which is sad. But ultimately, their first pick that they ended up taking in the second round was uh, defensive end Drake Jackson. Uh, one thing I like about Drake Jackson is his upside. Um, you know, they got him in the second round. He's going to be on the opposite side of Nick Bosa. So, you know, he's going to get plenty of opportunities for one-on-one matchups. Um, he has that nice combination of size and athleticism. Um, and low-key, with the line he's playing with, you know, he's a, I would say he's a legit defensive rookie of the year candidate uh, just because of the situation he's landing in. Um, then after that, we got running back Terion Davis Price. Um, yeah, running back out of LSU. Um, you know, a guy that um, I'm low key excited to see on the 49ers. I think the 49ers always need um, running backs. They always like to keep a stable of backs. Kyle Shanahan likes to use different backs for different situations. So, uh, him coming out of. Um, LSU is going to be perfect. Um, he has the uh, he has the ability to maintain his balance and his speed through contact, uh, which is something that's really nice. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him on the field. Um, so wide receiver, their next draft pick after the running back was wide receiver Danny Gray. Uh, one thing to look about, one thing to look at with this guy is just his speed. Um, you know, he is a burner. So we're definitely going to see how. Kyle Shanahan uses him, um, you know, uh, in that in this offense. That should be that should be quite interesting because he's a burner. Um, then they picked up offensive lineman Spencer Burford. Uh, a nice thing about him is he's capable of playing um, interior and uh, outside offensive line. Um, so, you know, he's just a quite versatile player, um, he's athletic, and, uh, yeah, he's hoping, they're hoping that he can shore up the offensive line a little bit, give him a capable backup at the very least. Um, then after that, they took cornerback Samuel Womack, um, you know, one nice thing about this guy is he was a walk-on at Toledo, and by year three he was a full-time starter with a scholarship. So he's uh, you know used to working hard, and he's definitely a, a guy that you know is going that kind of has an underdog mentality, you know. And so I think he's going to uh, I think he's going to work out just great with the 49ers. Um, 
you know, and another note about him is he had 43 uh, pass breakups and four interceptions in the three years that he was at Toledo. And the 49ers aren't necessarily like ball hawks or anything, you know. So this is a guy that's constantly finding the ball, breaking it up, uh, getting a few picks. So um, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna fit in nice for the 49ers. Um, after that, they took offensive line offensive lineman Nick Zekjil. Um One thing about this guy, he's just a super strong, nasty offensive lineman. Um, you know, shout out Trevor. Uh, Trevor Penning for the um, New Orleans Saints who was another mean nasty guy who's literally again thrown out of practices and now so um, but yeah he should be, should be a, a nice addition to the offensive line there um, after that they took defensive lineman Kalia Davis um, you know he uh, let's see so he tore his ACL, um, and they're hoping that he could just come back full speed from that. Um, obviously, you know, with a torn ACL, you can only do so much uh, as far as, you know, how you're going to be able to recover. But uh, they're hoping he comes back uh, from his uh, torn ACL uh, just fine, and he can get some reps uh, with that 49ers um, defensive line because it is is definitely their strength. Um, after that, they took cornerback Tariq Castro Fields. Uh, you know, he's 6'1", ran a 4'3", at the combine. Just looks like a big dude. Um, and, yeah, he, he's got a huge ceiling. Uh, you know, the 49ers are definitely looking to him to be a, a potential breakout star. So, um, after that, last pick of the draft was quarterback Brock uh, Purdy. Um, you know, the nice thing about this guy is he was a four-year starter uh, and never had a, a... He never was truly bad for a whole year, um, you know, but he wasn't, like, also particularly very great either for a whole year. So, um, you know, just a very m mid to bottom tier quarterback. Obviously, they picked him in the seventh round, so... Um, yeah, with their last pick. But at least he did get picked in the draft, so congratulations to those guys. And then, moving on from there, um, I guess some key storylines that I would look out for with the 49ers are what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, and what is that going to look like as far as trade compensation, when that's going to happen, how big of a distraction it's going to be to the team. Um, uh, the second thing that I think they should look out for is how healthy is Nick Bosa going to be? Um, you know, I know he was able to come back the end of last year, uh, last few games of last year, and then into the playoffs. Um, you know, so hopefully this offseason was good to him. He was able to get some, get some uh, more time to heal up and rest, recover, and get back to the grind. Um, and then my third storyline that I have is how good is Trey Lance? You know, obviously he's looked uh, pretty fired through the preseason so far, but, you know, it definitely, uh, definitely, when the lights are on and the game starts to count, that's when I think we get a true 
test on how good someone is. And so I think that Trey Lance, me personally, I think Trey Lance is going to do just fine. I don't know if he's going to do as great as some people think he is. I don't know if he's going to do as bad as some people think he is, but he's tearing up in the preseason so far. So, Ryan, what do you think? Um, anything you want to say about the 49ers, their draft, or you know, any of those storylines? Yeah, man. First of all, obviously, great job breaking down the 49ers, as always. Um, And yeah, the 49ers are an interesting team and have been for the last few years. Obviously, you talk about Kyle Shanahan, the coach. Um, You know, what are the brighter minds in the NFL right now? Uh, Some of my favorite players in the entire league, Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, um, you know, uh, the tight end, George Kittle. I mean, Fred Warner. Uh, there's so many names. They've got a lot of stars over there uh, in San Francisco. And, you know, they almost put it together in, uh, what was it, 2019 against the uh, Chiefs there. And Jimmy Garoppolo just uh, didn't get him over the hump. And that's why they drafted Trey Lance. And, uh, you know, like you said in your storylines, that's kind of where they're at right now is just that uh, passing of the torch. And uh, is Trey Lance ready to take it right now? I think the 49ers, although, like, in a sense, it's not ideal to still have Jimmy Garoppolo sticking around just because you want to fully commit to Trey Lance. I think the fact that he is still around um, and that they haven't had an opportunity to trade him with the whole shoulder thing going on in the offseason, you know, that does give them an opportunity to say, you know, if Trey isn't quite ready, uh, we can start Jimmy. I think verbally they've committed to Trey, so I don't know at this point if they're going to do that. They may just ride him out no matter what happens and um, you know, see where it goes. But with such a talented roster, if Jimmy Garoppolo is still on this roster past week eight, past the trade uh, trade deadline, and, uh, you know, Trey Lance just isn't getting it done, it's a consideration. He's sitting there. Or if Trey Lance gets injured, you know, obviously we don't want that to happen, but um, it never hurts to have somebody who has proven that he can take your roster to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, still on the roster. So, uh, you know, we'll just have to see how it goes for the 49ers. But, um, yeah, it's such a, a great roster that they've put together and kept together for the last few years trying to keep competing. And, um, you know, maybe this is their year. Maybe it's next year once Trey Lance continues to develop. But uh, we'll just have to see. Alrighty. So from there, we'll get into the schedule a little bit. So uh, first week, week one, um, we got them at the Chicago Bears. Um, I think that's going to be a dub, even though they're in Chicago. Um, I just think the 49ers are a far superior team. Chicago is lacking as far as talent goes. And so, um, yeah, pretty simple there. Uh, then week two, they play the division rivals, the Seattle Seahawks. Looks like they're playing them in San Francisco. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a dub. They're going to start the season off 2-0. and Then they come here to Denver, Colorado, and play the Broncos. Um, and that's a tough game. That's a tough game. Um, right now, I'm going to go ahead and say that the... Uh, that the Broncos win that game. 
I'm going to say that the Broncos win that game because it's here in Denver. I think that Russell Wilson knows how to play the 49ers. I think that uh, Russell Wilson's the more experienced quarterback. Uh, if it comes down to some sort of duel, I think Russell Wilson has the weapons and the firepower to duel it out with Trey Lance. And I just think ultimately, um, I just trust the experience of Russell Wilson a little bit more in that game, especially here at home. Um, then going to week four, they go and play the division rival, the LA Rams they're playing them in San Francisco which is going to be nice and I'm going to give them that game in San Francisco so back to the winning ways for the 49ers then we go at Carolina at Atlanta and week 5 and 6 going to give those both a win um, then we get into another tough game here uh, week 7 we're playing Kansas City I think that's going to be a loss for the 49ers I think um, Kansas City is just going to be very very good um, Patrick Mahomes obviously and uh, at George Karloftis is playing like a beast destroying double teams like the Chiefs are going to be such a problem. Sorry, Ryan. Um, then they go to L.A. to play the Rams in Week 8, right before their bye week, and I'm going to give them another loss. So that's going to be two losses back-to-back -back from the Chiefs and the Rams going into their Week 9 bye week. Uh, coming back out of that bye week, guess what? you got to play the fucking Chargers. Of all teams you have to play, you have to play who I would imagine is going to be a red-hot team because they're just loaded with talent. Justin Herbert's a monster. Um, they signed Derwin James to that extension. Congrats to him once again. Um, so yeah, week 10 you have to play the Chargers. It's going to be a tough game. Um, I think whew, it is in San Francisco so I'm going to give it to them. Um, then uh, week 11 you're playing the Cardinals. Uh, it's going to be in San Francisco. I'm going to give that to them. It's a Monday night game. Uh, week 12, you're playing the Saints in San Francisco. I'm going to give that to them. Week 13, you're playing the Dolphins in San Francisco. I'm going to give that to them. Week 14, you're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in San Francisco. I'm going to, again, give that to them. I think that the fact that... Actually, let me just finish the schedule. So week 14, playing Tampa Bay. Week 15, at Seattle. Uh, I think that's another win. Week 16, at Washington. I think that's another win. Or Washington in San Francisco, I'm sorry. Um, week 17, at Las Vegas. That could be a loss. Um, and then week 18 is against Arizona. Um, they're scheduled to be the home team. So... Um, it's going to be in San Francisco. So, um, ultimately, my quick thoughts about the schedule are after their bye week, that home stretch from the Chargers down to the Buccaneers from week 10 to week uh, week 14, it's huge. They need to hit out all those games. Those games are going to make or break their season because, in my opinion, those are what they're playing. I mean, obviously, you have to play like the Chiefs and the Rams before your bye week, but that's your toughest uh, like, honestly, from the bye week on, it's, it's relatively tough. Playing the Chargers are going to be good. Arizona is going to be good. New Orleans could be good. And their defense is for sure going to be good. They're going to go as far as Jameis goes. Uh, uh, Ryan thinks Jameis is going to kill it. I think Jameis is going to be all right. <coughs> Regardless, though, Jameis could potentially go off at any time. He, has, he just does that sometimes. Uh, then you're playing the Miami Dolphins with the new look Tyreek Hill offense. Um... 
They got Raheem uh, Mozart from the 49ers. Uh, they still got a badass secondary in Miami. It's going to be a tough game. Um, Tampa Bay. Obviously, you got Tom Brady, you got Mike Evans, you got Chris Godwin. Um, the list goes on and on. Kyle Rudolph now, um, the defense, they just won the Super Bowl two years ago. Um, you know, like literally, you could just go on and on, but mostly Tom Brady. So another deadly game at home. And then you go to Seattle, you could probably take care of Seattle. And then you go, and then you get Washington back at home, which is nice. Probably take care of Washington. Um, and then you go to Vegas. That's going to be a tough game. The Raiders are going to be good. Devontae Adams, uh, Derek Carr, the whole lot. And then you play Arizona again. So all those games are tough to me. Minus, like, the Seattle and the Washington game. Washington game. Uh, those are the weakest games. So, yeah, the 49ers got to do a lot of work after their week nine bye week. Um, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I still think they're going to uh, potentially win about 12 to 13 of these games. Um... I think the Chiefs might be hard. The Rams at home in L.A. might be hard. Um, Vegas at the end of the year might be a trap game for sure. So it just it just truthfully depends. Um, but I, I think it's going to be nice. Uh, Ryan, what do you think about the schedule? Yeah, dude. I think it's an interesting schedule, right? Because you look at it and it's not necessarily the toughest schedule that we've seen obviously going through all these teams, breaking them down, we've seen some tough, tough schedules that just don't give you any breaks, but um, at least they've got some games here that are, I don't want to say gimmies, um, but that are going to be easier for them. You talk about Chicago in week one, get everything started, you face Seattle twice, you know, um, Carolina, Atlanta, you know, like there's a few teams across there um, that at least they can sneak some wins in there, and then you know, obviously, when you talk about the contenders that they're facing, uh, there are some tough games in there. It's, you know, obviously a tough break to have to uh, lose your week three game against Denver, uh, face them at home. That, you know, always tough there. Russell Wilson, uh, tough breaks. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I do think I agree with you when uh, it comes to like 12 to 13 games. I think um, it, this roster, as long as Trey Lance can keep it afloat, uh, is more than capable of that, and it's really going to just come down to uh, Trey Lance in that quarterback room, uh, whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo makes an appearance or he gets traded and uh, we don't see him on this 49ers team. Uh, you know, it's just going to depend, but, I mean, you would think that as long as Trey Lance cannot uh, or can just keep the boat afloat, right? He doesn't have to be spectacular, just be a Jim a Jimmy Garoppolo in the sense of don't lose the game for the roster you have a great defense you have great skill position players um you should have a, a great running game you still got a great left tackle trent williams like just don't lose the game that's that's what we need and then eventually trey lance maybe can turn into he definitely has the potential to turn into um somebody who can win the games for them and be that star quarterback uh whether or not he's going to be that this year yet to be seen um but yeah i agree with your assessment and uh I do also like the point you brought up about Las Vegas, um, you know, right there at the end, week 17, um, you know, right after you face uh, Washington, who is never an easy game, that could be a trap game in and of itself, and then you turn around and head to Las Vegas against the Raiders, who are going to be vying for a playoff spot, uh, yeah, that, that could be a tough one for sure. Great job, Enrique, on the 49ers, and yeah, let's get right into the Seattle Seahawks here. 
So, starting off with their general manager, John Schneider, paired up with head coach Pete Carroll, uh, been together for, I think, over a decade now. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know, they've been uh, part of the most successful part of Seahawks history. Um, you know, winning a Super Bowl there, going to another. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously they have a lot of, of faith in them over with the Seahawks there. I think after the Russell Wilson departure, maybe the leash will be a little bit shorter. But um, for now, I, I don't think anybody's trying to fire them quite yet. So let's go ahead and move right on to their draft class and go through that. So their first pick, round one, number nine overall, Charles Cross, an offensive tackle out of Mississippi State, uh, arguably the best tackle in the entire draft. So a great pickup for this uh, Seahawks team who has always needed a lot of offensive line help. Um, and, you know, as a Broncos fan, if I can throw a little shot in there, I do find it kind of funny that they finally get a premier tackle of the year that Russell Wilson leaves. Um, but... He's now on the Seahawks, so good for them. And then their second pick, round two, number 40 overall, Boye Mafe, an offense, or I'm sorry, outside linebacker slash edge uh, from Minnesota there, and he's going to be a nice weapon for them. Uh, really love his tape in college there, and he's already done some good things in the preseason and uh, could be a contributor for this team early. Round two, number 41 overall, Kenneth Walker the third running back out of Michigan State, one of my personal favorite running backs in the entire class, uh, and a really interesting player uh, who can do multiple things. He's a good runner. He's a good receiver. Um, he did, unfortunately, I believe, has uh, like a torn core muscle uh, that he suffered in the preseason that he is now recovering from. Um, but, you know, even so far, he's, he's looked really good in camp and uh, played, I think, with that injury in the first preseason game. Um, and still <laughs> managed to do some things. So um, he will definitely be an important part of their rushing attack going forward. Round three, number 72 overall, another offensive tackle, Abraham Lucas out of Washington State, uh, one of the Broncos targets coming into the draft as well, and you know a solid guy that um, may be able to play early and can do some solid things, doesn't necessarily have the high upside of a guy like Charles Cross, um, but can potentially be a starter and uh, maybe pretty quickly for you guys here. So um, good pick there. Uh, and yeah, I'll be interested to watch his career and see if um, he can do better than people are uh, thinking and limiting his ceiling with. So round four, number 109, Kobe Bryant, cornerback out of Cincinnati. Uh, absolutely love this pick. Uh, you know, Kobe Bryant opposite to Sauce Gardner. Uh, we were just talking about that. Um, you know, on the episode here where sometimes you get those uh, corners that are opposite of the, um, you know, superstar lockdown corner, and then all of a sudden those corners get uh, face a ton more, uh, you know, production and a ton more throws to their side of the field. Um, sometimes that that means that uh, they end up looking really bad because they have so much on them and they get abused. And sometimes they step up to the challenge and look really good. And Kobe Bryant was one of those guys. And um, you know, similarly to uh, Kyler Gordon, who we talked about with the Bears over there in Washington with Trent McDuffie. Um, you know, it's all kind of the same situation where um, they got an extra opportunity because of the guy on the other side of them, and they made the most of it. Um, and so Kobe Bryant is one of those guys that I'm really excited to see his career. I think he's going to be a great corner. And round five, number 153, 
Tariq Woolen, another cornerback out of Texas, San Antonio. Um, you know, another guy that I really liked in the draft. And he is a little bit rawer than Kobe Bryant. Hasn't shown necessarily as much, but his physical tools uh, are crazy. Um, you know, he's a combine athlete and he absolutely has the, the tools to make it happen. Um, and did put some good things on tape in college, but does have some development to do. And um, yeah, I'm really excited for the Seahawks to uh, kind of develop this new duo of Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. Uh, and I think both of them are going to end up being really nice players. Round five, number 158 overall, Tyreek Smith, an uh, outside linebacker out of Ohio State. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, taking two corners, they take two edges here, a developmental guy out of Ohio State, um, an interesting pick. And then round seven, 229, Bo Melton, a wide receiver out of Rutgers. And, you know, obviously the uh, Seahawks are pretty confident in their wide receiver situation, so it's not necessarily a huge need for this team, but you always want to keep feeding players into uh, the system there. And, uh, you know, potentially this is a uh, uh, replacement down the line. Round seven, number 233, Derek Young, wide receiver uh, from Lenore Ryan. And yeah, I mean, another wide receiver here, just filling up that room and seeing if these guys can stick here. Um, I think Bo, Ment uh, Bo Melton, like, I do like more of his physical stuff. And then on Derek Young's side, um, he was in uh, Division Two, but he looked really good um, in the time that he did play and unfortunately suffered some injuries, which held him back. Um, but he showed what you uh, want to see out of a, a guy in that division, right? Um, just dominating the competition. And uh, he was also a nice uh, combine athlete, you know, 6'3", 220, uh, 440 on his 40-yard dash. Um, so a, an athlete for sure. So that does it for their draft. And I got to say, going through all these teams, one of my uh, more favorite drafts, uh, they got a great tackle in Charles Cross. You know, Boye Mafi, the outside linebacker, going to be a probably very quick contributor for this team. Uh, Kenneth Walker, again, another contributor for this team, very likely at running back. Um, and then Abraham Lucas, a very solid pick. Again, a potential contributor early. Uh, Kobe Bryant and then Tariq Woolen, both of those corners with a high upside. Uh, both guys I really, really like. Um, and then, yeah, behind them, just some developmental guys. And uh, what a great draft. Uh, you know, I think that we don't always say that about the Seahawks, but this year I'm wholly and completely impressed. Um, and I'm really excited to see what these guys can do. Uh, a lot of my favorite players in the draft uh, got taken by the Seahawks this year. So, But with that, let's go ahead and go over a few of their key departures over this offseason. Uh, you know, obviously the two biggest ones, your offensive leader and your defensive leader um, of, you know, over a decade at this point, I think, Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner uh, both leave onto uh, different pastures there to Denver and then uh, with the Los Angeles Rams. And, uh, yeah, th those will be uh, huge, huge pieces to lose. And um, I think it's going to be a rude awakening for some Seahawks fans that are very used to the success that they've been uh, experiencing, uh, in part because of those players. And then, uh, thirdly, Dwayne Brown, uh, offensive tackle, you know, one of Russell Wilson's protectors for the last few years, uh, went over to the Jets, and a big, pretty big loss there. Carlos Dunlap and Edge, another solid player. Gerald Everett, uh, you know, not the best tight end in the, in the world, so like I don't think Seahawks fans are crying over that one, but uh, with your tight end room currently, uh, that is a solid piece to lose. 
carry Hyder off the edge, and then Ethan Pochich, your left guard as well. And with that, we can go ahead and just run right through their roster, starting with the quarterback. Um, you know, obviously, biggest story of the offseason for the Seahawks, Russell Wilson gets traded to Denver. Uh, you receive some players back, including Drew Locke. Um, and then you have Geno Smith on the roster there. So at this point, you're looking at a competition between those two. Um, and he, clearly, Pete Carroll sees something. Um, I think as a Broncos fan, right, who's watched Drew Locke over the last few years, I really, really, really wanted to, to for him to be the guy. Uh, but he just did not take that step. Um, and granted, I would tend to agree with anybody who would say the Broncos did not provide Drew Locke with uh, the coaching and the uh, environment that he needed to succeed. Um, I, I think that there was too much turnover, um, especially with the offensive coordinator, coordinator. And then when we decided to commit to uh, sticking with the same staff and quotations learned from those lessons, we stuck with Pat Shermer, who was just god-awful, just terrible, and it dragged down Drew's career, um, among other things, obviously. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of that is on him, uh, as well as the team itself. You know, it, it can't all be uh, on the team to do that. The player still has to actually develop. Um, and I think for him, his biggest problem over his time here was immaturity. Um, I think that he wanted to be that guy, and he just never uh, proved it. He never did what he needed to do to uh, continue to grow as a player and prove that he was that guy. Um, and so it resulted in, um, you know, he would have bad games with interceptions and get down on himself. But then when he did happen to have a good game here and there, everybody always talks about the uh, Texans game in his rookie season in 2019. My dude ride, wrote off that shit for like two years. Like he, he will take the one game, do his little dances and shit, and take that as his confidence for the next, like, full year. And I'm like, it, it was really frustrating to watch. Um, so, obviously, as a Broncos fan, I, I'm very happy with Russell Wilson uh, instead of Drew. But I wish the, the best for Drew. And I hope that uh, if Drew is going to take the leap, I think it would be with a coach like Pete Carroll um, that is not going to let him run free and provide him with a... Um, specific offensive scheme to follow uh you know just kind of let him color in the lines and then uh let him do his thing and and keep him from uh damaging himself because i think that that was a lot of the issue with the the uh, denver offenses here was that not only were we not helping him uh you know protect himself from himself in terms of play call and, and scheming we were just doing bad play calling in general like, it was just bad. It was just straight up bad. And it was not helping anybody, least of all Drew Locke. So, um, I think that him being in a established scheme with Pete Carroll, a longtime head coach who knows what he's doing, he's had success, I think that that could help him. But he's got to take that step. Um, and so we'll have to see how that goes. So far in the preseason, he did look good um, in his first game. Um, and then he unfortunately got covid which I believe is going to keep him out of the... Uh, it already kept him out of the second preseason game, and I believe it's going to keep him out of the third preseason game. So um, Geno Smith is getting an opportunity to uh, you know, steal that job, and admittedly, he did not look great in the second game. Um, so you know, Drew might just take it just by Geno beating himself. 
Um, but we'll just have to see how that uh, ends up playing out. I genuinely think it's got to be Drew. I, I think they, they're giving Gino the opportunity because he's the incumbent. Um, but if you don't go with the one quarterback that has upside in this room, what are you even doing? Like, are you, are you tanking? Because why why are you starting Geno Smith? That's not going to get you anywhere. Like, if you're going to start Geno Smith, to me, either you're taking or you just don't care. Uh, I think, like, looking at this quarterback room and then Jimmy Garoppolo sitting over there with trade, or, like, to be traded for, after you've just gotten some uh, trade value, right, out of the Russell Wilson trade, if you are, like... People are saying the Seahawks team wants to win right now before uh, Pete retires because it's not that far off, supposedly. Um, If that's your goal, why are you not trading for a guy like that? Um, I don't think that they have the time to sit here and uh, say, like, okay, we're going to tank and then get a rookie quarterback and develop him. um, Unless they're hoping it's just going to be a Mahomes-type situation where they can compete immediately. Uh, in the in you know the first second third year of that uh, rookie contract on that quarterback quarterback, I don't know. I just don't I don't understand the uh, trajectory that they think that they're on, uh, because unless Drew Lock makes a massive leap, uh, I I don't know where this team's going. So, you know, we'll just have to see. But uh, with that, let's go ahead and move on to the running back room. Rashad Penny, solid option. Kenneth Walker, your rookie, comes in. And then Travis Homer, who showed out in the preseason. DJ Dallas has looked pretty good as well. And then at tight end, Noah Fant also came over from Denver. A guy that's been rising, but to be honest with you, almost similarly to Drew, I feel like he doesn't, um, at least in his time in Denver, I didn't see that attitude from him that he wanted to be, like, get better and be one of the best tight ends in the league. And he's got that physical ability. Uh, not only physical, but mental. Um, you know, he's got that. He can do it. Um, but I just have not seen him take that leap. Um, and I, you know, it's kind of ironic because you say like, oh, well, maybe he would take that leap with a better quarterback play. But unfortunately, he got traded with Drew to the Seahawks um, and won't get the opportunity to play with Russell Wilson on either the Seahawks or the Broncos. So uh, we'll just have to see what he can continue to do. And um, he's definitely got the ability to be one of the best tight ends in the league. Will Disley, uh, another solid tight end there, and uh, I've heard some rumors that they are not in, actually entirely sure which one of them will be the you know number one starter, um, and I could see it being Will Disley if No Fant doesn't show out. And honestly, he has not looked you know he hasn't blown me away in preseason um, with the Seahawks there. So, and then Colby Parkinson behind them at wide receiver, you're looking at DK Metcalf, obviously Tyler Lockett, your two main guys. Um, stars in the league, very good wide receivers. That will certainly help Drew out having some established talent like that. Um, and yeah, we'll see there. Freddie Swain in the slot, D. Eskridge, Marquise Goodwin, uh, Penny Hart, your rookie Derek Young, uh, your other rookie Bo Melton, and uh, yeah, I mean some solid names here. Um, obviously behind Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, you feel confident there. Um, I would like to see a little bit more. Uh, established depth and we'll have to see how those rookies can come on if they can develop quickly I think Marquise Goodwin I would say is your best option behind uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf there so 
Moving on to the offensive line, your presumed starter at left tackle uh, is your rookie Charles Cross there, then Stone Forsyth, and then left guard Damian Lewis and Greg Eland, center Austin Blythe and Kyle Fuller, right guard Gabe Jackson and then Phil Haynes, right tackle Jake Curhan, and then your rookie uh, Abraham Lucas, who again I could see starting very quickly. And uh, yeah, that offensive line, again, I mean, it's been a problem for the uh, Seahawks. I think that with those rookies, you're looking a lot more solid and potentially have answers on the bookends there, which is uh, never a bad thing to have in the NFL. Um, But yeah, I I would like to see it before I can say that this is going to be a decent offensive line. Moving on to the defense here. So starting from the safeties and moving down at free safety, Quandre Diggs returning uh, one of the better safeties in the entire league there. Josh Jones behind him. Then at strong safety, Jamal Adams obviously traded for him from the Jets. Then Ryan Neal. And then the cornerback room. This is where it gets a little bit interesting. Sidney Jones the fourth, right, and Artie Burns both have been struggling with uh, some injuries in training camp. And those are your two starters. Um, and Nickelback, you're looking at Justin Coleman. And then behind all those guys, your rookies and Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. Then Marquise Blair. Um, and then some other guys behind them. But primarily, you're hoping that Sidney Jones and uh, Artie Rins can come back and um, be healthy for the beginning of the season. Otherwise, you're looking at starting two rookies. Um, and that is, that is especially at the cornerback room, that is never uh, a good thing. And I think Tariq Woolen, um, although I'm very excited for his future, I do think he needs time to develop. Um, Kobe Bryant is a little bit closer to being ready to uh, step in. Um, but I don't know that I would say he's at that point either. So uh, a little bit of a concern if that's uh, where that ends up heading. And then uh, moving down to the uh, edge spot there, you have uh, Uchenna Nwosu came over from the Chargers, a very solid option there. Darrell Taylor, Boye Mafi, your uh, rookie there who's going to be a solid option very soon. Uh, and then Alton Robinson and your other rookie in Tyreek Smith. The inside linebacker spots, Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks, somebody that uh, has gotten some talk throughout the league in the last few years and put some solid stuff on tape and expect him to uh, make a jump there with Bobby Wagner no longer being there. Um, And then Cody Barton stepping in as well uh, to help out. And They brought in Nick Ballore from Detroit and then Tanner Muse. And when you look at the uh, defensive tackle spot there, your starter, Puna Ford, Again, a solid option there behind him, Quinton Jefferson, and then nose tackle Al Woods and Brian Moan or Money. Uh, and uh, then lastly, your defensive end spot, Shelby Harris came over from Denver in the Russell Wilson trade, and then LJ Collier. And looking over this defense as a whole, I think, you know, other than that cornerback room, this is a solid defense. Um, you've got some solid rushing options, uh, especially that are going to develop in Boye Mafe, and he already looks solid in preseason. Um, Jordan Brooks is a solid inside linebacker. Uh, I, we'll have to see. I think Nick Ballore at least gives you a floor, um, but Cody Barton could be good. And then, uh, yeah, on that line, you know, I think that uh, overall, Puna Ford, Al Woods, and Shelby Harris, that's a solid defensive line right there. Um, you can stop the run with that. Shelby Harris, best hands in the league. He'll bat down some passes for you. Um, and I don't know how much pressure 
you're getting from that line, to be completely honest with you. Um, but at the very least, I feel like you can be confident that the uh, running game should be taken care of. Special teams for your kicker, you have Jason Myers. And then your punter is Michael Dixon. And uh, yeah, I mean, solid enough options there. As far as some team storylines for you guys here, number one, obviously, post-Russell Wilson era, who's your quarterback and how can you win with them? And, uh, you know, like we mentioned, this is, uh, I think that some Seahawks fans are going to be in for a rude awakening because they've been so used to having not only a franchise quarterback, um, but, you know, a franchise inside linebacker, uh, quarterback of the defense, if you will, and you're losing both of those this year, um, it's going to look a lot different without those presences uh, and without the guys who know how to win. Um, so I will be very interested, and I have been and have been watching the season or the uh, Seahawks preseason game or games uh, to see who's going to end up taking this job. Um, I'm hoping and crossing my fingers for Drew. I like the dude. I want him to to take that job and, and uh, you know run with it. Um, but he's he's got to take that initiative. Uh, and you know thus far, although I I did like what I saw from him in the first preseason game, it did not look like a jump from what we've seen in Denver. Um, and that does give me some pause, especially as far as if you had any hope of him being the future uh, of your franchise at quarterback. Um, I at this point I would have wanted to see him make a jump and I don't think that that's unreasonable even going to another team um I think that like just in the general stuff and going through some reads uh and finding the wide receivers being more accurate with each throw uh you know being more confident in the pocket and not um one of his problems was always was being too scared in the pocket and uh drifting out too early which would break down his offensive line uh, and just cause even more problems for himself um, and so, you know, a lot of those things, I really, really, those are just basic quarterback things. You know what I mean? That you have to see improve um, if he's going to be a guy in the league for a long time. And he's now in, I think, his third or fourth year, 2019, so third year. And uh, I really have not seen that. He's gotten better since his rookie year, but not to where you would you would like to see. So... Uh, yeah, we'll have to just see how that uh, how that ends up, and if Geno Smith wins that job over Drew Locke, I don't I don't know who's even taking a chance on Drew Locke again. So uh, number two, putting some pieces together, but that offensive line is still an issue. You know, we talked about that. It could be better, especially with some bookends. Um, you know, some new bookends there in Charles Cross and Lucas Agri- or Abraham Lucas rather. Um, those guys are rookies though. So you can't automatically expect them to fix this line for you. And those are the additions you've made. So um, I will be interested to see exactly how much better they can get. Um, but I do think that this is a work in progress. And then our third storyline, especially with injuries in camp, the cornerback room is looking especially questionable right now. However, it does have a bright future in Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. And yeah, we talked about that going through it. Um, and I, I agree with my own assessment there is like, I do think that I'm a little bit concerned about the immediate future for this uh, cornerback room, especially in the uh, early parts of this season, if Sidney Jones and Artie Burns can't come back from injury to start week one and uh, be fully healthy. Um, and you're starting two rookies out there. That's probably not going to be pretty, um, especially against, you know, Russell Wilson in week one going to just abuse some rookie corners. 
Um, but I think that uh, those two guys, Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen, I am very positive that they're going to be solid players uh, going forward in the league and once they can get some development. Um, Tariq Woolen is a heck of an athlete. And, uh, yeah, if both of those guys can develop the way that I hope that they can, you've got a solid duo right there for the future. And then same thing with the edge room, uh, but Nwosu and Mafe in particular are good additions for the future. Uh, Nwosu only 25, so you add to that uh, edge room there after losing some guys, and then draft Boye and Mafe. Um, I could very quickly see Boye and Mafe taking over that spot from Darrell Taylor. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, again, not a, a uh, super shockingly good room right now, but with how Nwosu and Mafe could develop, um, that could look pretty good in a year or two. So that does it for our team storylines. Uh, and with that, we can go right into the Seahawks, uh, you know, schedule here. Their 2021 record, 7-10. and 10, uh, And unfortunately, it's going to be a little bit less than that this year. It just is. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, let's go right through it. Week 1 versus Denver. Uh, we all know what I'm going to pick here. I'm a Denver Broncos fan. I'm a Russell Wilson fan. Um, I do think, I mean, I have this as an L for the Seahawks, if that wasn't clear already. <laughs> but I do think that with the Denver Broncos, we have a brand new head coach, brand new coaches across the board. Um, you know, I mean, a brand new quarterback, brand new system, brand new a lot of things. Um, and so especially with uh, some of the struggles we've had in uh, camp, you know, losing Tim Patrick, wide receiver, um, our defense hasn't looked super good against the Bills. We need to get off to a fast start, um, and we could have some early struggles. And so maybe, maybe, maybe if Drew Locke just has the game of his life, assuming he's the starter, maybe, maybe, and also assuming that Sidney Jones and Artie Burns are back uh, healthy, maybe the Seahawks team can beat the, the Broncos. But um, if... Even one of those things, if Drew Locke isn't playing great, or if you're starting Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen, I, I don't see how the Seahawks can win this game. Week 2 at San Francisco, that's a loss, unfortunately. Uh, kind of another situation with Trey Lance there. Obviously not a brand new head coach, but um, Trey Lance with not a whole lot of experience as a starting quarterback. So uh, if you can potentially catch them off guard there, um, you know that could be a win, but I view that roster as overall significantly better. Week three versus uh, the Atlanta Falcons. I have that as a win, um, but that is a big game that uh, is winnable for the Seahawks there. Week four at Detroit. Uh, I have that as a loss as well, but another big game that uh, very winnable if the Seahawks have a good one. Week five at New Orleans. I have that as a loss. Week six versus the Cardinals. It's a loss. Week seven at the Chargers. That's a loss. Week eight versus the Giants. That's a win, um, but I do have that as a big game as well. Um, obviously, if Daniel Jones is spiraling out uh, during this season um, and just doesn't look like the answer still, um, this is a very winnable game for the Seahawks. 9 at Arizona Cardinals, L. 10 versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, loss. Week 11 is your bye week. Week 12 versus the Raiders, that's a loss. Week 13 at the Rams, that's a loss. Week 14 versus the Panthers, I do have that as a loss, but that's a big game too, depending on how uh, Baker slash Sam Darnold uh, is playing at that point in the season. 
but they have a better roster. They have a better defense. They have better offense, uh, especially if Baker is playing how he should be playing. Um, yeah, week 15 versus San Francisco 49ers. Now, this is a Thursday game, and I do have it as a loss, but you're talking about week 15 against a 49ers team on a Thursday um, who is looking to compete for a playoff spot. You know, they're probably going to be uh, sweaty at this point of this uh, in the year, just really trying to get any wins that they can scrape by. Um, and uh, I think that that could be a track game. I think, you know, it's a division game. You never know um, with that kind of stuff. The Seahawks usually play the 49ers close. Obviously, they don't have Russell Wilson or uh, Bobby Wagner anymore. But um, I think that if there's a game that the Seahawks could steal randomly against a good team, this is it. Week 16 at Kansas City. I have that as a loss. Week 17 versus the Jets at home. Uh, I have that as a big game uh, and a loss for the Seahawks. But again, depending on how the Jets are playing, um, could be winnable. But at the same time, if the Jets are playing as good as they possibly could, that's not a winnable game for the Seahawks. So week 18 versus the Rams, a loss. And uh, unfortunately, that brings us out to a 2022 record of 2-15. I'm sorry, Seahawks fans. I know you're not happy with me, um, but it is what it is. I think that coming from being a Broncos fan and seeing firsthand what not having a quarterback does to a team, uh, it's going to be very, very hard to win a lot of these games. And you guys uh, lost some solid names uh, in the offseason other than Russell Wilson uh, and then Bobby Wagner. Um, And granted, you've replaced a lot of those spots uh, with rookies and things like that, um, but they're not necessarily ready-to-go replacements. Um, And you're uh, going to be looking at a rough time this year. Um, I think that, honestly, looking through this schedule, you know, my number one storyline and the only storyline I have is it's a tough schedule against tough divisions. You're facing the NFC West, obviously, twice. Um, The AFC West, and then the NFC South, as well as some other uh, teams sprinkled in there. But that is arguably three of, if not the three, toughest divisions in in the league. I mean, you could say the AFC East is in that conversation, but you are facing the Jets. Um, Like, that's a tough schedule, dude. And for a team that just does not have that uh, quarterback leader, they lost their defensive leader in Bobby Wagner, um, you know, you are potentially facing a quarterback or cornerback shortage, just depending on how quickly Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen can come on. Um, That's rough, bro. Like, I'm sorry, guys. It's rough. <laughs> I want to be positive for the Seahawks fans, um, but I can't. I just can't. It is what it is. But with that said, if uh, Horse Cock Lock wants to come out and just uh, ball the fuck out, maybe you get like four wins. <laughs> but, um, I mean, at least, I will say, before I, before I call off the Seahawks here, I think that that at least gives the Seahawks an opportunity um, if they do end up losing that many games, to look at a long-term solution with a quarterback and draft somebody. If Pete Carroll's going to stick around and do a full rebuild, um, you know, I think that that's a possibility there. Uh, but I just don't I don't see how you're winning a lot of games with Drew Locke or Geno Smith. I think if you went and traded for Garoppolo, this is an eight-win roster. Like, it is. 
but you need a quarterback that isn't going to shoot their se- themselves in the foot, but is also good enough to actually do something. And Gene, like when you look at Drew, Drew Locke and Geno Smith, you have two polar opposites in that Geno Smith is probably not going to just completely lose the game for you on his own, and Drew Locke will. But Drew Locke has the upside of the, the big arm and all that stuff and makes those throws, takes some of those risks, um, whereas Geno Smith is won't try anything. Um, he's, he's super safe with the ball to a fault. Um, and I think that at least Garoppolo gives you a little bit more of a balance. Obviously, you saw what happened with the 49ers, and a lot of people feel that, like a lot of people would put Jimmy Garoppolo in the box that I just put Geno Smith in, but that's unfair to him because he is good enough to make it to a Super Bowl with a good roster. Um, And he won't shoot himself in the foot, but he can make some of those completions and will take the risk. I mean, you talk about the Super Bowl that he lost. He at least was able to take the risk and try and throw that deep ball, uh, if you remember, to Emmanuel Sanders. And he just overthrew it. And that was what kind of sealed that game uh, for the Chiefs there um, and just uh, lost it for the 49ers. But Geno Smith isn't even taking that risk. Geno Smith isn't even in the Super Bowl in the first place. Like, he doesn't do enough to get there. So, I, you know, I, I, I do sometimes scoff at the Garoppolo uh, disrespect. And I do think that uh, when you have Drew Locke and Geno Smith as your two potential starters, Garoppolo is by far better than either of those guys. Um, so whether that actually happens, I severely doubt it at this point, um, unless they just come out in the regular season and are so just completely awful that the Seahawks like can't watch it anymore and they have to go feel like they have to go get somebody. But I think at this point, if you haven't gone and traded for Garoppolo, you probably aren't going to. Um, you're probably going to go through this season with what you have. So um, we would just have to see how it ends up for the Seahawks. I'm sorry, Seahawks fans. I feel like I was a total asshole today. But I feel like I said the truth. I don't feel like I was like overly mean. So, yeah, I apologize, you guys. Um, I hope that it is better than two and fifteen for you. Um, but if it is two and fifteen, look forward to maybe getting a, a nice rookie quarterback there. That'll about do us for the first part of today's show. Follow us right on to the fight show as we recap UFC 278, including one of the biggest upsets of the year. If you want to keep up with the shows and be part of our weekly question segment, find us on social media, on Instagram and TikTok at Mile High Flight Show, Twitter at MHFS Podcast, and YouTube is just the show title, Mile High Flight Show. And lastly, check out our merch on Redbubble at MHFS Podcast, and stay tuned for more coming soon. We love and appreciate each and every one of you that listens. And this has been the Mile High Flight Show. Thanks, guys.